Welcome to the Life Giver Sunday Special. If we truly want to become a life giver in our home and marriage, we have to go to the Creator of life and allow Him to breathe life back into our own heart. The Life Giver Sunday Special is still a place for honest conversation, but it will aim to encourage your faith and restore your soul. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. Um, we are here for another Sunday special. Um, it's been so wonderful in season four to include these Sunday specials where we get to be a little bit more honest and dig a little bit deeper, um, a little bit more in our faith than we maybe we would in other episodes. And I am so thrilled to bring back my good friend, Sarah. Um, you may remember her from my roundtable discussion with um, Ashley, where we had Sarah, our first responder spouse representative, and Ashley was our veteran spouse um, turned military spouse. And we had this great, wonderful roundtable. If you've not heard that episode, it's episode one of th- this season, season four. And um, Sarah's just been on my heart and mind for a really long time. And I'll be completely honest. I wanted to bring her back for a couple of reasons. One, because um, those of you guys out there who've done the Strength Finder assessment with me or know of strengths, um, Sarah has not only empathy in her top five, but she also has communication. And I have seen her communication be a wonderful strength of hers, um, where she just has a beautiful way to articulate what's on her mind and on her heart. And um, so I knew bringing her back to the conversation would be a great one. And it would be one, especially for a Sunday special, it would take us to a place that I think that a lot of you guys will really enjoy. But I also brought Sarah back, no pressure, Sarah, because she has a wonderful sense of humor and it really balances kind of my serious attitude (laughs) that I bring to the (laughs) podcast. And so um, I just really have genuinely a good time always talking with Sarah. She makes me laugh and I just um, love listening to her voice in general. And I think you guys do too. So Sarah, I'm so excited to have you back. So thank you for coming back and joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited too. This is fun. Well, I thought today we would just kind of do a co-host kind of thing. So um, those of you who are listening don't really know that um, I invited Sarah and just said, hey, whatever's on your heart, I just want you to show up and let's talk about whatever's on your heart and let's just kind of dialogue like friends and kind of let you guys in on the discussion. And um, so one of the things that we decided to talk about today is really thinking about some of the darker, more difficult moments in your life. And all of us know what that's like to have a moment, whether you're going through a difficult season that life has introduced something that's hard, or maybe, uh, maybe you've made some decisions that are difficult, um, or at least have put you in a difficult place, but it can be really challenging to go through these seasons that are really dark or really difficult. And Um, And to go through them and believe that God is doing something that he's maybe even allowed it to happen. And where is he when all that's happening? And, and what do we do when we're in the midst of it? And so that's kind of what Sarah and I are going to talk about today. And Sarah, I think I'm just going to start off with um, just, I'm going to turn, kind of pass it to you first here. And just, you said it was on your heart. So kind of share a little bit about why this has been on your heart lately and um, how God has kind of walked you through processing the importance of understanding what do we do in these most difficult seasons, these difficult moments of our life? Why this topic? Yeah, I would say um, the topic's on my heart because I continue to still live it in a lot of areas. Um, But I would say like if I looked on a timeline, probably about three years ago, um, 
just this descent in my life started to happen where, um, just a lot of the way I had approached my faith, I had approached God, um, everything was just kind of not working out the way that it had been. And it's funny. It was also in a season two where I was feeling a little bit like a little dry spiritually, like, okay, like almost like you're just going through the motions and wanting that closeness that I had had with him. Like when I first met him and was saved, um, but then circumstantially, my circumstances just began one by one, just kind of like caving in around me that anything that I was trying to renew my mind with and okay, well that, that, that sucks, but I'm going to look over here and then that would cave in and that sucks, but I'm going to look over here. And I eventually got to this place where I was so hedged in, in circumstances that I was just completely wrecked by. Um, and trying to find God in that. And a lot of those circumstances, really, as I look over those three years, they've not really changed. But mm. I tell you, my relationship with him has. And it literally has been something that he's taken me from a place of truly just learning how to look so differently, things that I would have completely said that I was cursed or like this was not, you know, this was hardship placed on me, like either I'm being punished or, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, from all those perspectives to now where I'm like, those things have been tremendous blessings and continue to be, though they are difficult. And though some of those things aren't changing, the blessing is in knowing him there, that he's really showed me that these dark places are where he is. And, and it seems, I feel like in at least my Christian walk, you know, you kind of can put things in boxes, like God is light and the enemy is darkness. But the truth is the Bible shows us that the enemy masks himself in light sometimes. And mm -hmm. God says he cloaks himself in darkness. So kind of just learning these last three years, like how do you reconcile that? And where is he? And what is he doing um, in those dark moments? So it's just something that's kind of always on my mind and that mm -hmm. um, I'm still just walking out. So I think it's interesting that you brought this up because you, you know, a second ago you mentioned a few caveats and maybe we should kind of start with that because, um, it's, you're right. It's such a messy topic and it's always dependent on, well, maybe it's our Christian faith. I think sometimes we, we go through these caveats, like you said, like, am I being punished or did I do this? Did I bring it on myself? And so therefore I have to walk through it alone because it's some kind of penance that I have to pay because I did it to myself. Right. So there's all these caveats that I think we go through, especially in the Protestant faith. Well, I'll talk here in a second about, um, there's other faiths within the Christian circle that view suffering and view difficulty in different ways that I think we can learn from. But in the Protestant faith, um, depending on, on your upbringing or, or your theology, it's really easy to go into difficulty and ask ourselves, okay, so if I did something like, let's say I actually, um, committed a sin or I did something wrong. And so therefore I must pay out the consequences for it that we find ourselves in that time of suffering and that time of difficulty as if like I can, I know I've experienced this and I think there's a, probably a lot of people listening that might say the same thing that if I have done something wrong and then I have to go through the consequences of that, it's almost like a child to a parent, like God being the father and us being the children, like, don't look at me, right? Don't look at me. I've done something wrong. I have to pay my penance. I got to go to my room. I have to go to the corner. I have to like pay this penance. And that we feel that natural separation from God. And sometimes there is that separation from God when we have especially done something wrong that distanced us from him. And we can't hear his voice until we come to him and confess that and write that just like a child would to a parent. 
one of the things that had to be deconstructed in my life was like the testing of my faith. So I, I enter into this dark season and I'm immediately searching for how to get myself out. Let me yes. find the right scriptures. Let me find the right things to do. Like I'm going to renew my mind. Like, you know, and you just get kind of really, I can get religious. Like, okay, like, let me get myself out of this because this is uncomfortable and it sucks and I can fix it. Or, you know, it's a test. So therefore if I do X, Y, and Z, that's going to get me out of this circumstance. That's going to like almost for me, this is, like I said, some of the stuff that the Lord was deconstructing that as much as I wouldn't have admitted it, I was looking at him in some ways is something I can manipulate. Like, oh, if I please you in this way and I pass this test, then you will just jump on my timeline and remove this from me. And it's just not true, you know. That it's, okay, so maybe the, maybe the other caveat here is that when suffering happens or difficulty happens, that he's waiting on me to do something. And once I do it, then he removes it from our life. And so therefore we still have control or think that we have control and we're only going through this difficult time because he was needing to teach us something. And so the sooner we learn the lesson and the sooner yeah. we do our thing, then he takes yeah. us away and it's all good. As yeah. if like those difficulty is sort of like a punishment, but maybe it's in some other situations, it's not so much like a sin. He's just trying to teach us something, right? So the sooner right. we learn it, our lesson, um, the sooner he takes it away and then everything's happy again, which I think gets me to um, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about in our Protestant faith that if you, if anybody's like me who grew up, let's say in the Baptist world, or um, sometimes even in the, in the Methodist or Wesleyan denominations, that sort of thing, we have this idea of suffering that um, the closer we are with God, the less suffering there is. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost like a prosperity gospel. Not, mm -hmm. I mean, some believe it as, you know, money and financial blessing, but I think that we are also brought up to, for some reason, believe that the closer I am to God, the easier my life will be. And most of us in our head know that can't be, we know that that can't be true, but for some reason we believe it. And so when things are difficult and things happen that are, that cause suffering in our life, suddenly we feel like, well, I must not be close enough with God. And so if I just draw closer to him, then things will get better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is true. Like you, it's weird. You would never maybe say that out loud. Like, Oh, I believe because I'm a Christian or because I have a good, you know, solid faith that nothing bad's going to happen to me. But then that's exactly how we react when the bad things happen. We're like, Oh, what? Like, you know, and for me, sometimes it is like, I come with my list, like, um, excuse me, I have been, da, 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 da. you know, I've been doing all these things. What are you doing? You know? And so it just, really or what else can I possibly do? I'm exhausted from trying to do all the right things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I think what we're talking about today then is um, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it's not about how close we are with God and that that doesn't necessarily, I mean, it is all about being close with God, but, but the suffering and how long it lasts and whether or not it lets up is not always dependent on what's within our control. And it's not always necessarily about us deciding that we have the ability to stop that suffering or, or about getting out of it as soon as possible. I know that sounds yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I mean. Like, I feel like this subject is like, it's inverted thinking, which makes sense because God says, my ways are not your ways. But then you're like, yeah, well, but I'm privy to your ways. Like, you know, that's how, like, I feel like I used to like, but I have the Bible, so I know your ways. But the truth is like in these scenarios, it, it inverts your thinking of like, you know, it's not about working to get out of it. It's about just knowing him and being present and trusting the process and being in it 
and then it becomes less and less about that circumstance need, circumstance needing to change and more about the joy that you found like truly in the Lord, which sounds just kind of like a cliche. Like you hear these cliches of like, you know, the joy, the Lord is my strength and all this kind of stuff. And then when you go through stuff, you're like, that can't be true. Like, like I'm saying it, but it can't be true because this is such a mess. But then when you find him there and you, and you learn to know him there, there is like this sweet spot and a tenderness to those really hard times. Um, so it becomes not so, you, yeah. So you kind of sit in it a bit rather than try to rush through it. So would you mind sharing a little bit maybe about a time when you've experienced that? Was there something in particular that you were going through, um, a dark season of your life that you really learned that lesson recently? So I feel like a couple things kind of were transpiring all about the same time. Like I said, it just systematically began to just shut down one by one. Um, back in 2015, my dad had a stroke and I'm an only child and that, and he's young. We're a young family. My parents had me on the younger scale. He was only 50 when he had his stroke and my boys were, um, two and well, three and about to turn two, they're 15 months apart. So that was a hard phase just in general. My -hmm. husband was working a ton of hours. And so my mom was this person that I kind of had to deflect the fact that my husband wasn't around as much and that I needed help and all those things. Subsequently, our family planning was just not going as we planned. We kind of got off, you know, we agree on so many things that when it came to more children, that was kind of more of something that I wish I would have nailed down better. <laughs> like, you know, we were like, oh yeah, we'll just see. But then we ended up on a different page with that. And so I kind of just started to feel really closed in. And I remember getting a vision, but then also too, in my own spiritual life though, crying because I journal. So calling out to the Lord, like, I just want to be closer to you. Like all these things that we say to him. And I remember he kept showing me this vision at this time of me standing almost like, um, on a cliff. Like I get this picture in my head that I was standing almost like at the grand Canyon and it was sunny and beautiful outside. And I was standing on the, the edge and I felt like he was saying, I want you to fall like fall into this like ravine that like I couldn't see past. It was darkness. Like I could probably see about 30 feet down, but the rest, I couldn't tell when it ended. I couldn't tell. And it would come to me and I would just kind of let it be. And I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, yeah, I like, I want to do this. And in my mind, when I thought, when I stepped off that ledge, I thought he's going to lift me up and I'm just going to soar. Like, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to prove to him that I'm worth, you know, I'm going to plunge into whatever the spiritualness is, but he's going to just come in and swoop me up out of it. And I'm going to, you know, you know, hooray, I passed the test. But instead I plummeted like into this depth of something that I had never experienced before where I couldn't renew my mind out of it. I couldn't, I knew the right things to do and I didn't care. Like it was just complete, like just the strange place of knowing, like, I know how to pray or I know how to get scriptures. I know how to believe on things. And I know that the Lord is good, but the feeling of the darkness was so overwhelming. And I remember so much of it was behind the scenes. Like these are behind the scenes things that people really aren't seeing and I'm really not sharing. And I remember there was a time where the Lord started saying, like, I just remember thinking like, no one knows that this is happening. No one sees my secret. Yes. No, you see my heart's desire and what I long for. And no one's seen that. And you're seeing me still praise you. And you're seeing me still say to you, like, I trust you. And I, like, that's where I realized like, this is the secret place. And that is a blessing that we have this intimate relationship where he's seeing the desires of my heart and they're not matching my circumstances, but he's seeing me cry out to him. He's seeing me call to him and he's seeing me say like, 
you alone get this. You alone know my sadness or how I feel in this situation. Um, so yeah, it just became more of a, a sweet spot of a place. I just remember like I, I was at a worship practice and I remember standing there going, everyone was just kind of moving on. Through, and I'm like, no one knows what I'm feeling inside right now. No one knows what that information that was just given to me is doing to me and what that means to me. And I just remember thinking though, like, wait a minute, like it's the secret place. And I am actually blessed in this because I am getting to know him in such a, a tender way that I almost feel like, and I hesitate to say it, but it really starts to feel like it's unattainable any other way, but mm -hmm. then to be in a place where you're hedged in like that and just kind of in this dark place. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, I'm thinking about how I tend to react to God um, in those kind of similar testings. And what's interesting to me is that I have a totally different way of dealing with God in those moments. And I've been thinking a lot about it lately myself um, <clears throat> as I've been kind of going through my own season of um, approaching God about some of the difficult areas of life or, or maybe past hurts or wounds or, or things that didn't go my way. Um, it's so interesting that you brought up the whole, um, you know, having a different perspective between you and your husband on how many children to have. I think that's what I heard you say. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and that was, a, that was a really painful one for Matt and I as well. I've actually not shared that. Um, but I'm just going to step into that place with you, with you for just a second, because maybe we're just supposed to, but that was a huge um, difference between my husband as well. And, and I, and a huge thing that I needed to heal from, but um, a huge scarring that I was not prepared for. And um, you know, for those who that have read the Sacred Spaces book, it was actually in, during that reintegration where everything was happening. But at the same time as all of that reintegration was happening, we were clashing also on, I, we had thought this whole time and talked about having a third child and I was ready to go. And he came home going, um, nope, I think we're done. But I had not had a chance during that, my last son, to know that that was the final child that I was yes. going to have. And then that birthing process and the pregnancy process that I could grieve through it and say, okay, this is the last one. And mm -hmm. because I had not had a chance to do that, it was kind of a surprise grieving, mm -hmm. a surprise mourning that I wasn't prepared for. But in that wrestling with, and that's one of the reasons why Matt and I say to this day, to anybody who will ask, that um, we recommend no big decisions during a reintegration to not make any huge decisions like that um, during at least wait till you kind of find your new normal before you make those decisions. But coming back to what you were saying, as far as, you know, approaching this cliff and God asking you to fall off this cliff. Um, I have a totally, you were like, I'm going to jump off the cliff and I'm going to soar and I'm going to, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I know it wasn't as easy as that. I know it wasn't, but what's interesting is that God and I have a totally different <laughs> relationship <laughs> where I have like this mental picture of me throwing massive temper tantrums with God <laughs> is what I do. He says, Corey, I want you to, not in everything, but there are the tough stuff God asks me. Um, to walk into suffering or walk into dealing with my own hurts and stuff. And instead of me just finally kind of resolving to jump off that cliff, I just throw like a toddler temper tantrum. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> you know? And so we fight for a little bit. And then God has this kind of Job moment with me where he's like, who do you think you are? Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, you're right. I'm so sorry. You know, but all that to say, um, I've had to go back and rework some of those wounds. And 
And it's taken a lot of really hard work for me to look back on that and go, you know, um, God never promised that, um, that number one, that life would be easy, Mm -hmm. um, no matter how close I got to him. And this is just something I am even now learning at 42, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, I mean, they are, they do sound like cliches, but even at 42 in my forties, I can say that I'm just now learning that he never promised that it was going to be easy. Um, and strangely enough, he never promised that just because I married someone who has the same faith that I do, that that meant that we were going to have a magical, perfect experience where we always were going to be on the same page about everything, that there would never be difficulty or tension or different desires of our hearts. Mm -hmm. Like I had never thought of that going into marriage, that we might have two totally different desires in our heart on important topics. Mm -hmm. And I had to wrestle with that after the fact and come to terms with the fact that that could be okay. And that's really hard to say. Yeah. And I just want to say too, and maybe, I mean, not to speculate for everybody out there, but between you and I, let me say, I fit throw as well. (laughs) I just fit throw at a different time. So I'm like, yes, I will jump off because I can see the end from the beginning. Right. And so then when it doesn't start panning out, then I'm like, what are you doing? I said I would jump now lift me up out of here. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) So I definitely, there's definitely a wrestling, definitely the whole Job moment too. And it's fine that you could say that because I feel like if there's a verse that I could tie like to, um, the concept of what we're talking about, of like finding God in the dark places and finding an an intimacy and a sweetness there is in Job. When you go through that book and you watch his life destroyed, which is so easily Mm -hmm. to, sometimes I feel like we can read the Bible and be like, la, la, la. Like then he lost his children. Then he lost, then he got sick, (laughs) you know, like, and you just don't ever let it soak in of what that means. Like an illness alone that, you know, that you can't, shake or, you know, whatever. And then you get these friends who want to come in and then say, well, it's because you've sinned or it's because you this, and they want to speak into something that they don't know anything about. But at the end, I love what Job says because he says, um, I ha- I had heard of you by the hearing mm-hmm. of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is like, like the summary of what a dark place can be is that we go in knowing and hearing like, Oh yeah, God is good all the time. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. And all these things we want to call cliche. But when you're in that dark place, you end up seeing him, you see it. It's no more like I'm running off of anybody else's faith, anybody else's sermon, anybody else's anything. I have been to that pit and I have seen for myself the goodness of the Lord because I've been in a place where I know I didn't deserve any of it. Like, you know, I didn't deserve the help. I didn't deserve that, you know, any of it. And I see you now and I see who you really are here. And I couldn't have seen that maybe without landing here. Well, also what's interesting to me is both of our reaction to what, when God asks you to do something difficult, whether it's um, to take the risk of putting your faith in him and trusting even when you don't feel like you can, whether it's God asking you to process really tough stuff that you don't want to process, um, whether it's, um, you know, whatever that ask is, I think that what's more telling than anything for each of our hearts is like that reaction that we laugh about. Right. But I mean, in that reaction of me throwing that temper tantrum, um, I had to realize, wow, who am I that I'm throwing a temper tantrum before God? Like that really says a lot about my faith. It really says a lot about, um, my trust in him and, um, whether or not I actually believe he's good when he challenges me to, 
um, believe that he's good. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that sometimes that's what he's actually asking us to do in the, in the pit, right? That's what he's asking us to do in the middle of that challenge is it forces us to actually take a look at ourselves and see that whether it's selfishness or pride or, or whatever it is that we're struggling with doesn't come out until we jump off the cliff. It doesn't mm -hmm. come out until we throw the temper tantrum and we see our, our reaction. At least that's what I've been learning lately of like, wow, I can't believe I just internally threw that temper tantrum. I need to take a look at that. And why <laughs> am I throwing a temper tantrum? <laughs> yeah. But how do I, um, what do I need to do as far as the hard work between me and God that I'm not throwing those temper tantrums anymore. And, mm -hmm. and for me, at least slightly, that's what I feel like God has been teaching me is, um, Hey, did you see that Corey? Did you see that temper tantrum? He just threw, we need to fix that. And that's why I put you in this place to begin with is because you didn't know this about yourself until I put you here or I allowed these circumstances to happen. And now you, can you see yourself for what you really are or mm -hmm. where you're really struggling and where you're really lacking in your faith? And let's work on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like too, like, so God is very visual to me. Like he, I, I need word pictures. Like I just need it spelled out. And mm -hmm. so, um, going along with that. So it's like you go into the pit and th those revelations start happening. Like, okay, like look at your little bratty self, like throwing a fit about this or that. Like, let's, let's deal with that. And I feel like the Lord has shown me that that's where then those dark places become formative. And one of the phrases that he kept just repeating in my heart over and over was grow your way out. Like mm -hmm. not like get out, but grow your way out because it's almost like that, like the symbolism of a seed and it goes to that pit in the darkness and it cracks open and then from it is springing forth that life. But there's still that climbing where you're pushing back through the dirt and you know, you're still doing, there's hard work there in the sense of it, it, it feels like suffering. It feels like, um, struggling, but then like when you get out of it and you look at the end result, like you've grown something, you've cultivated something that like is made in his image because it was your, the end of yourself cracking open mm -hmm. and then more of his life coming through you. And it's kind of the same thing too. Like he, it's like, I feel like the womb and the seed, like it's like the both, like the seed, the, all those secret yeses that are like the womb where like that DNA of the Lord is just being like replicated so that when you emerge, when it is that time to get out of the pit, because you don't stay there forever, though, very rarely is it ever on at least my timeline. Like God is never right. getting me out of these when I think he should. And I love <laughs> to connect dots for him. He told me that like a couple years ago, I journaled and it was like, no master plan for you, Sarah. You get daily bread, daily bread. That's all you're getting. Cause you just <laughs> run ahead. And so, um, so I feel like that is the other one though. It's just like both things are so formative and they're formative in the darkness. And there are things that seemingly look like unchanged. When you look at the soil where a seed's planted, there's nothing for a while, like in a womb, you don't see that, you know, a woman is pregnant. And so just those things like that, it's like a, there's a shift in the dark place where it's like you plummet and you're wrestling and all that like flesh and all this stuff is coming out but then there starts to become like this turn where the, the breaking open begins and that growing out starts happening. So what was that like for you during this, like the, you were saying the last three years, you've kind of gone through this. What was that growing like for you or what is it has, what has it been like for you? For me, like the biggest turning point, because so much of, I think we all have different things, obviously that we deal with or like the way our, maybe our, our flesh or our sinful nature, or however you want to look at it, like, pride or however those things manifest in our own lives. For me, it's control. For me, it's planning and anything and everything that I can do. And so when I got to a place 
that I knew I was doing nothing. I had no, no list to take the award to say, I've been doing this X, Y, and Z, like get me out of here. Mm -hmm. I was just completely relinquished before him. And just, that was all I was crying out to him is like, I don't know what you're doing. I am stuck. I am helpless. I am this. And it would come like, he just came in and began like just speaking to me things about those circumstances that I had not seen, you know, we, earlier in the podcast, like, you know, to kind of maybe go deeper of our last podcast, I talked about getting a perspective shift. That mm -hmm. perspective shift was not of my doing. That mm -hmm. was the Lord sitting in church saying, Hey, if you're struggling with this, how many people do you think in this profession are struggling and who is standing up for them? I have voices for the, the, you know, the prostitutes and the homeless, who is a voice for the people that deal with that brokenness, like, you know, and like just started pouring Can you into give me. an example. So go back to that first, um, that first episode that we did. So what was going on for you? That was the perspective shift. So I, I mean, just to put it bluntly at that point, and it's funny, I've, I've been going back. I love to go back through these old journals and see where I was. And that's why I write because you think that maybe you're making some of this stuff up or whatever, but then you look back and you're like, Holy cow. Like it was true. You know? So, um, I just stumbled upon it. I like a, a, a very vehement rant about how much I hated my husband's job, how much I hated how we were on different playing fields with that. Like it really was a place to, cause we also know that the, the enemy can come in the darkness and it was a place where he was coming in and saying, you two don't really want the same things in life. Mm -hmm. And it was such an odd place because um, I think I touched on this in the podcast. When we first got married, we had to learn and sort out a lot of communication things. And so, yeah, we argued a good bit, but this was like seven, eight years in where we had learned to communicate pretty effectively. And I liked him. I didn't dislike him. It was that I was just looking at him going, oh my, like just petrified, like, oh my gosh, like you don't want any more kids. You want to do this job. Like I want more kids. I want you home. Like if I could pick it, like you would work at home and always be with me or we live on a farm or, you know, like I just was, um, like those two worlds were colliding and it was freaking me out and I just hated it. And I got to a place too, where I was like, you know what, how about you? This is me saying it to my husband, you know, how about you suffer for a while? How about we live my life the way I want to live and you deal with what it feels like to be crying out to the Lord for all this stuff. You know, not that he wasn't going through his own things, but that was where I was. And it was sitting in church on a Sunday. There was a, a missionary like I said, I hated, I hated his job and I just wanted it to change for so many reasons. I had learned to get over the worrying, but mainly just how much he was gone and the, the erraticness of it and just the, the call outs and, and really feeling like I didn't, not that I think I should own him, but that I did, that they owned him like, mm -hmm. and that it was like this entity that just had complete say over our lives. And I was so bitter and angry about it. And we were sitting, I was sitting on um, sitting in church, a inner city missionary had come in and he started talking about how being an inner city missionary had made him street smart because he got jumped one time. And so he's like, so I learned, you know, not to sit with my back, you know, in this position when I'm down, you know, ministering to these people and I'm rattling. Cause this is like how I'm sitting in church. I'm always going, okay, how does this apply to me? And what, you know, what can we do? And I'm thinking, how can we be an inner city missionary, like when, you know, people can spot that my husband's a cop from a mile away. Like how can, how can I bridge that gap? Yes, I have Jesus, but you know, there's a, a gap there sometimes. And so where do we fit into, you know, what God is asking us to do? And I felt like the Lord's like, you're right. I'm, I'm calling you to, you know, I'm calling you to the law enforcement, like 
people. You see a side of things that no one's, there is no missionary in your church coming and saying, I have a program for law enforcement officers, you know, the people that have to deal with all the lying and the brokenness and the evilness, like, and how they're not processing it well and how their families are fragmented because it, because of it. And so that's where I feel like the Lord really swept in because none of that was my doing. I wasn't looking for it. I had made a plan. I wanted my husband in the church. I wanted us to just build, 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 build in the church and where it was safe and everybody was working for a common goal and it wasn't as messy. And of course, I mean, there can be things in in that world, but for me, it looked safer than, you know, being what I felt like the Lord eventually ended up kind of speaking to me that I would be doing or like where we would be going. But that was all him. Like there was just not an ounce of me in it and how tender he was with me in that season and gracious because I was pitching some nasty fits and like, and then too, like just a little aside, how gracious my husband was because I was not myself. Like, well, I just was a, it just was a hard season where I was unfiltered and I said what I thought and I said it trying to hurt because I was so hurt. So no, I, I can totally relate to that as well. And I'm so, that's the other reason why I wanted you to join, um, for another episode, because you bring the first responder side of things, whereas I bring the military side of things. And, and again, I think that that really speaks to a lot of people that we have a lot of commonality and a lot of similarities and differences and that we can learn from each other in that. And, you know, I, I've been through similar experiences like that, you know, just in our progressive calling into, and it, it took, I mean, when Matt first said he wanted to become a chaplain, I told him, no, like I literally told him, no, you can't, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is something that we should sign up for before we get married. Like this is, you know, and you talk about how you kind of knew going in that this was something that you were going to do or be, um, maybe you just didn't understand fully the lifestyle yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took a year and a half for me to say, okay, let's do it. But if we're going to do it, we're all in. But it took me getting to that place where I could be willing to, I didn't know what I was walking into, but I was willing to see something different or see it, experience something different than what I'd always known. Uh, Cause we were also coming from the church background. And so, and that's all I knew. That's all mm-hmm. I knew. And I knew that we weren't being called to some other country as missionaries, but, mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a totally different perspective shift to think about what would that be like in the, the military space. And, and now I can't imagine us doing anything different, but it's amazing how you also, I want to also highlight this part because when we're talking about going through seasons of difficulty and suffering and how God is often, because if I could say what, what's the theme here, God is really talking about how does he allow you to go through seasons of difficulty and darkness um, and what is he trying to change in you? What is he trying to shape in you? And that he has a timeline for those things. And um, whether it's the experience of Job going through that, there's even, um, I didn't have a chance to find it before we got on today, but there's actually a scripture verse that I came across one time when I was doing one of those reading through the Bible, like straight mm-hmm. through the Bible in 90 days. And I came across a scripture that I had never seen before where God literally um, is speaking to you know, demons. And he's basically saying, I need someone to go sift this person. I need who's going to go and, um, and speak to this person. And a demon raises his hand. is like, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go do it. And that was the first time in scripture I had ever thought about the fact that God, um, obviously he has so much, he's so much authority and he's sovereign over everything. And that even demons would answer him. Right. But it was the first time that I ever thought of the fact that, yes, you know, 
even in Job, God has this conversation with Satan and he says, mm -hmm. yes, you may go sift Job, mm -hmm. right? That God allows um, difficulty in our life and doesn't mean it's always evil or coming from an evil source, but that God, I have to, whatever I'm going through, I have to come sometimes take a step back and go, okay, I may not know where it's coming from or why it's happening, but I have to at least take a step back and say, God is allowing it. Mm -hmm. And if God is allowing it, then what do I then do with that? Um, but you brought up something that I think is really important. And that is that um, you found yourself at odds with your husband and you found yourself um, that you were, that you liked him, but you really were um, kind of going through a season of also feeling that tension and anger towards the whole system, but it was causing a rift between you and your spouse. And, um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about marriages because, um, I know what that experience is like as well. And the enemy would like nothing more than to destroy a couple. Mm -hmm. And the way in which he goes about trying to destroy a couple is fascinating. And I've, um, experienced the same thing that you have gone through just in that the enemy has this ability to whisper these things to make you believe that whatever these differences are between you and your spouse, and it could be everything from the way they do chores to the big stuff, like, you know, how many kids did you have, right? It could be anything under the sun, but the enemy has this great ability to whisper these things in your ear to say, um, either, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want what you want, or he just wants the job more than family, or he just, you know, doesn't care about your feelings or whatever those whispers are that build up that resentment and build up that strife within our heart that makes us feel like that person is against us instead of for us. Another reason why Matt and I adopted that phrase, I'm for you, not against you. Like, because we needed to start speaking the truth to counteract the lies that we were hearing that he, this person is trying to hurt me. So I mean, all that to say, I think God sometimes allows the, that kind of wrestling too to bring us to a place where we have to examine our heart and go, God, what are you trying to do in my heart? Because it's not in a good place. It's not in a place that's glorifying you or bringing honor to my marriage or um, the direction that you're calling us to either. So what has God actually been teaching you about yourself now that you've been trying to grow out of that pit? Um, for me, it is a lot about, again, with me wanting to always run on my own agenda and my own plans, a lot of it has been almost like a waiting type Thing. a lot of scriptures coming my way of stand still and see the deliverance and all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to stand still. <laughs> you know, so, you are not a standstill type of person at no, all. <laughs> yeah, no. And so, um, but I feel like if I could like, again, just going to visuals, if I could kind of visualize where I'm at is I still feel like it's very like that seedling. These are so very new, tender things like that. I mean, that really did only happen a couple years ago. And I have since seen, well, what's then amazing out of that particular one where God kind of swept in, spoke this into my heart about how, which completely tied then me to my husband's calling because he said, I want you like, with those families. And I want you in that world and I want you there for me. And so then it was all of a sudden, like, I knew he was called to it, but I never knew I was, and I didn't know how I could be. And from there, you know, it just, the doors began to just fly open. Like I'd never seen in the sense of, you know, I found on a whim how I found the Chris Kyle frog foundation. I read an article by Taya, um, 
that fall, it was like the fall of, I can't even remember what year now, but it was in the fall. And I read an article she had done for Fox news. And at the bottom, it said that she had the foundation and that it helps strengthen first responder and military marriages. So I went to the website thinking like, I just need help. I don't know what I'm doing. Like God's called me to this, but I have no idea what that means. And I just, saw the application for the retreat. I was in my repentance um, state of being like, oh dear Lord, the things I have said and done to my husband. <laughs> and, you know, so I just, I can't even remember what I wrote, but I just poured my heart out. And, you know, we ended up getting the retreat. We ended up meeting you. We, I ended up going to Empowered Spouses and, and bit by bit, God has just continued to like water those things. And I just continue to trust him because it is very, I don't want it to sound like super packaged, like, oh, I fell in the pit, then I trusted him and voila, I started growing out. Cause it's not, cause there are still places where I almost feel like, okay, I'm dying again. Like I'm, I'm shrinking back down to the, you know, to the bottom. But, um, I, I just feel like if there's a word I could put to it, it's just a tenderness, how he's dealing with me. And then also where I am in all of this, because it's, un, it's like, it's faith. So it's faith to fall in, but it's faith to come out because mm-hmm. as I'm like starting to grow, I don't know what I'm growing up towards. I don't know what this really looks like. It's that just those secret yeses of like, okay, like I'm going to step back from maybe something that I'm like heavily involved with in church to give way to something that God is calling me to in this arena that doesn't look like church, you know, or whatever that may be. And so, but I just, that is yet. Do you know what it, what it is that you want to do? I know. I don't know what it is. Like, I just feel like I just keep showing up. Like I just go, I hop on a plane to go to Wyoming. Like I, you ask me to do the podcast. I just keep showing up because I know that stuff is in there, but also though, I do feel a little more seasoned that I don't want to run ahead with it because that is always me like, okay. And then I'll be this and then this will happen. And then we end up in a different pit where Sarah, you know, decided to go off on her own and <laughs> create her own divine fall in a pit like yeah. <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> yeah. So so I don't I don't really know what it looks like. I just know that for me the first step was to make room for these families, room for the families that my husband's working um with because I really had never pursued those relationships. I just hadn't and I was not uh maybe it wasn't 100% intentional. Um he works in a different county. So that makes it a little bit more difficult, but I was also like heavily, heavily involved in our church. And I felt like I needed, I felt the Lord say like, you've got to give me space. Like we've got to like create some space here where you're not as involved. So you can go here where people who aren't not coming to church and who are not going to accept your invitation to church. They just want to know you like, and be you because and finding that common ground of we have common ground because they get this lifestyle and, you know, just that thing. So I feel like it's just very formative still. No, I think that that is awesome that you um, are learning. I think it's something we all have to learn and it's a lifetime learning thing. I don't think we ever um, learn this lesson of not going before God. It's something that I struggle with almost on a daily basis, wanting to run ahead and go, Ooh, this is a shiny, you know, new idea, you know, or, (laughs) Um, or let me play out my imagination and where this could go. And mm-hmm. um, I can't tell you the number of times I lay my head on my pillow at night and, and God is just like, sh- I can just feel him. He's just shaking his head at me. And he's just like, you did it again. Like <laughs> you just got too excited, Corey. And it's just totally the wrong direction. So when you get up in the morning, can you just start again? <laughs> because- <laughs> 
<laughs> I get so excited and just and so easily distracted by by the shiny things and and it's and thank goodness that his mercies are new every morning right because I get up the next day and I'm like okay God I'm gonna rein myself in and I'm gonna try to go at the pace that you want me to go in and I'm just going to show up for that next thing like you're saying but the world is so loud and the world is so crazy and so is social media and everybody's way of doing things and the world says that you have to have a business strategy the world says that this is you know what it means to be an influencer because that's what the latest generation that's what their number one desire is, is to be an influencer a social media influencer you know and more than even going to college that's what they want to do you know and that's what the world says like if you follow these steps or do these things then you're going to be successful and it's just not the way that god moves i'm not saying mm -hmm. those people aren't following god but it's not on um, the way that god always moves and mm -hmm. um there's something about slowing ourselves down and just going okay god what's the next move before i go 10 steps ahead when you really only want me to just stand still and mm -hmm. wait Mm -hmm. um, I'm in a similar place right now. I'm just waiting. And I, again, just like that temper tantrum, I find myself going, wow, if I'm having a hard time waiting, then I need to really take a look at that because mm -hmm. that's the next thing that God wants me to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, I think it all kind of roots back to like a self-sufficiency. Like mm -hmm. we all feel it in different ways, but like, I don't want to wait because I feel better. Like for me, one of the things God quickly had to deal with because I probably literally wouldn't be alive is like, I was raised in a family of worriers. So to worry was to love. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that when you've got a husband who hangs up the phone in the middle of your sentence and you don't hear back from him for five hours and you're an hour and a half away from him, you know, like you, you you're not going to survive it, you know, and, and then, then I would be so angry and all those things. So for the Lord to show me like, you know, worrying makes you feel like you're doing something but you're not doing anything, you know, like you're just running, you know, again, there was like this vision where he's like, had me, this giant hand had this little me running as fast as I could. And I went into the pit and then I just fought and kicked and ran and like just this little frantic, tiny little thing that you could just flick away. And when I finally grew tired enough and laid down, then he lifted me out and like set my feet on the ground. And it's like that same thing of like a picture of like what worry was. I felt like I was doing something by worrying, but it's really just my way of like, I have to trust the Lord. Like I have to trust his, my husband's safety and a plethora of other things, my kids, all of it. And when I want to worry, it's because I want to feel like I'm doing something, but I'm not really doing anything. It's a facade, you know, I'm not going anywhere. No, no, no. I abs and I love God is very visual with me too. So, and I know that he, like, he doesn't speak to my husband in visions or visual um, pictures or that sort of thing. So I know that there's a lot of people out there that God speaks in different ways. Um, but he does the same thing f with me. And regardless of, I think how God speaks to you, sometimes it's through other people. Sometimes it's through pictures. Sometimes it's through scripture. Um, and so I don't want anybody out there hearing what Sarah and I are saying and going, well, I've never, God's never really given me a picture. So do I know, you know, do I, do I hear God? Like, I don't want anybody to feel that way. Um, but he does that similarly with me and, um, he's all the time telling me to, to like that I am just as frantic and that I just as much want to have those solutions. And you're so right, Sarah, that it's, it's amazing how good he is, how tender he is to be so patient. Um, he's so patient with me, <laughs> like that shaking his head at the end of the night, instead of like disciplining me, which I'm sure at some point happens, you know, or eventually he's going to have to discipline me if I'm unwilling to listen. Right. 
And that's a whole other conversation on how God teaches us. Um, but he's so tender. Um, I remember just even a couple weeks ago, I was so discouraged and worrying the way that you're saying. I was so just anxious because it was like this idle time. It was this idle space when nothing was happening. And, and, and my reaction was anxiety. And um, I remember him just being so tender and every anxiety, this, it just happened for this one moment of time but I had this list of things that I was worried about in like a two day span. And then the two days after that, God answered every single one of those anxieties, every single one of those insecurities was these little things that happened. And Matt came to me and said, do you realize that everything that you said like two days ago that you were worried about, God has given you just this little bit of affirmation or this little bit of encouragement um, on every little thing. He's like, so basically my husband was like, can you just shut it down? Like he's not going to fix it all, but he's basically telling you, I got it. Like stop running frantic circles. Like just wait, just Mm -hmm. wait and see what he's doing. And that it's okay for you to wait that you're not, you don't have to have that control all the time. Yeah. Which is so like counter our culture, you know, like, what are you doing? What are you striving? What are you doing? You know, and to just sit and wait and be, those are really hard things, but it's something too, that I feel like the Lord has shown me. He's kind of like, um, I wait on you like a good, like a good bit, like, you know, <laughs> and it's how so easy it should be to wait on him because he knows what he's doing far more than I do. You know, <clears throat> Matt always says he's a master chess player. And ever since he said that, like, I, I look for how he's doing just these crazy things. And there's all these moving chess pieces happening that we can't see behind the pawns, right? Like yeah. all we can see yeah. is like the pawns in front of us. And those are the ones that are all like the little ones doing all the little battles. And it's like the daily stuff But he's moving all these other big pieces and we're just not going to see them until it all happens. And then the way he orchestrates it is so like, what? Like I would have never even thought of that. Yeah. yeah. And just let, I feel like that's the shift. That's how then your perspective on dark places can change because you almost become addicted to his story. Cause like, like for, so for me, like not so much the chess aspect, but like just from like a writing aspect, like I look at God as like this, he is, he's the author and finisher of our, you know, faith and of our life. And I think of him as a writer and nobody wants to read some lame little storybook where it's like nothing happens. And it's just, <laughs> boring, you know, but instead he just orchestrates this beautiful thing where it is just, it's not linear at all. And it's got all these twists and turns and tiny nuances that just make something so beautiful. And it has through the years of walking out various pits and even still, like I said, being in places where those circumstances really haven't changed and they're still very difficult for me. Like I, like I had a breakthrough with my husband's, but you know, on the side of health, there are some things there that I've just been waiting on and like just a really interesting place, but I've come to know him better. Like that, um, scripture and Job saying like, now I know you that I want his plan. And so that helps me wait. It, I don't do it well some days. Cause it's like, just when I think I've yielded my timeline, what I don't really realize until God shows me again, that I've actually just extended my timeline. So then when that timeline expires, then I'm kind of back like, uh, like in a pit, like, you know, like, we're like crying, like what's happening. I will trust you, you know, like I'm just back to the brokenness again. Um, but I just feel like that I, it, that is what has been the catalyst of being like, you know what, I would have never written this out and it is better than I could have expected. When we got back from empowered spouses, that's where I really felt like the Lord just like blew, like just 
I don't know. He like just lifted scales off my eyes just to see people in a completely different way. And I used to, Kenny and I, I used to always talk and say, you know, if you could go back and change this one pivotal time, what would you do? And for him, he would have joined the military. And for me, I would have gone to worship school, probably married a pastor, started a church. Like, yeah, I would have just, and we realized that both of our paths wouldn't have crossed had we done the things that we wanted to do. But I looked at him that night and I said, I don't even want those things. Like, that's not even like a, it's not even, it's that was something that always kind of weighed heavily thinking like, oh, if I'd only gotten saved, you know, a little bit better, you know, if I had found my love for music and the love for scriptures sooner, you know, I could have gone to college and done X, Y, and Z, but instead to be like, no, no, like this is, I can see, I got a taste of something. This is super fulfilling far more than I could have ever planned out for myself that I don't want that path. I don't even look back and say, I would choose that path. I just want more and more and more of what he chooses for me but that is never going to look like what I'd choose for myself. (laughs) Sometimes they collide, but not very often. No, absolutely. And that's what I think is so amazing is that God knows the desire of our heart in a way that we don't even know the desire of our heart. We think that we have like this desire. And so Lord, if you see what I see and you see what I'm wanting and what's important to me, that you're going to love me enough to give me what's in what's on my heart. But what God sees is far deeper and he has this timeless approach. He's not stuck in time. He, he is just as much in the future as he is in the past, as much as he is here. We live a linear timeline. And so it's like God knows deeper what's best for you and how to meet the desires of your heart before you even get there and knew that it was a desire of your heart in the first place. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I actually heard a podcast. I met the most amazing person over the weekend when I was in Dallas. And he said to me over the weekend that when he you know, came to know Jesus and he knew he loved business, he knew he wanted to go into business, but he was really wrestling. He came to God and said, you know, I'll give up business if you want me to, because it feels like a very non-Christian direction to go. And he said, God said to him in his prayer time, he said to him, well, what if I did want you to be a missionary? Would you be willing to do it even though it's not something that you think you want to do? And he said, my answer was, if it's not aligned with your will, then change the desires of my heart so it is aligned with Mm -hmm. what it is that you want me to do. And that was such a well said, just it's been something that I've even adapted in my own prayer time since this past weekend. Now you brought up something that I actually thought was really interesting um, when you were talking about how you see God as kind of this author, right? I really just want to point this out because you know, I've done the strengths finder with you, but here's, what's fascinating to me. Those that are listening, Sarah has communication in her top five and communicators have a strength for words, writing, um, speaking, just forming words, or, um, she may think that she babbles a lot, but she doesn't. Those of you who are listening, (laughs) she just has a way of saying things. It's like a mic drop. Isn't it interesting that the created being sees the creator as, as a reflection and you see him as an author. Does Uh that make sense? And Matt has strategy in his top five. And so he sees God as a master chess player of strategy. Isn't that interesting? Yes. My strengths are all relationship. There are like four relationship builders and and one little itty bitty executor. (laughs) (laughs) And my relationship with him as just this highly relational counselor, um, father, so it's very interesting to me that whatever our strengths are, the way he created us to see the world or how he expects us to go into the world and give our gifts to the kingdom and use those for his glory is how we actually also see him. And which is all the more reason that we pull together 
so that we can be that body of Christ and come together and see him more for who he is instead of just this little slice of the pie. Yeah. Like full on display. And I love that. I think that is a good thing to speak even into marriages. Like it's, it could be a completely different topic, but just for years I could attest how less spiritual I thought my husband was because he didn't hear God like me, or he didn't relate to God like I did, or he didn't maybe speak to him like I did. And that is another one that the Lord has just blown the lid off on, yeah. you know, for me is that like, we are, we are just, we know in part and we see in part another life verse for me, because it's very easy for me to see like, this is the standard that is the wrong standard and just kind of toss any shade of gray. And really that God has just given us this peace. He's giving us a peace with the, you know, the, um, the strengths that he's created us to have and how he redeems them and wants to use them. But we're all like this tiny little piece. And so when we are that best version, you know, yielded to him, how like his, he's just on full display. Cause even as you list all those, we need all those things. We need a strategic God. We need a God who is like fully focused and in, you know, all of that. And, you know, we need a God who, you know, beautifully orchestrates words and, you know, all those things. Like we need to see him in all those aspects. When you look at then your spouse or whoever, like they represent a piece of God, like in their own strengths. And they're usually different from yours. And it's just so, it's just really cool and really like beautiful, which makes sense. Cause we could never, we're made in his image, but we can't fully hold his capacity. It's like, we can only kind of shine this type of light and they shine, but it's all his light. To kind of thread all of these things together. And what I'm seeing is the reminder that number one, that God allows us to go through difficulty. He never promised that it was going to be easy. He never um, and honestly, if it was super easy, how weak we would be. It's the same concept of a tree that grows. You know, if a tree is never weathered by the wind or weathered by the storm, then it doesn't know to plant its roots deeper. It is what happens in the valley and it's what happens in the pit in order for us to, like you said, either grow those roots or to come out of that valley stronger. So Sarah, what is it that, and if somebody's going through a difficult time right now, um, what would you say to them? What would you want to encourage them on? I would just say like, just the biggest thing is how tender he is in his posture towards you in that dark place that when we're completely surrounded and we can't see anything or what we do see makes us fearful that God is there and he's there in a whole new way. And he, the Bible even says that he's singing a song of deliverance. Like that's the posture. Like I just picture, you know, we talk about the secret place and Psalms talk about how you're tucked up under the shadow of his wing, that you might be in a dark place, but you're actually tucked up right next to him, right next to his heart. And that if you just can rest in that and listen for him and look for him and begin to just be honest. That is like my biggest thing is be honest. Don't be religious. Don't be like, thank you for this pitch. Like, you know, like don't be honest. And if it sucks, then tell him because he already knows that you feel that way anyway. And I feel like your honesty is what breathes the intimacy because he can then speak back into those places of fear or those things that you're dealing with or your frustrations, maybe the timeline of how long um, you've been here, but just to give him everything and to look for him there and to believe that he is there because he is, and he will show you just great and mighty things and that you have to plummet down to go up. And so there is right now you're in a down season, but as sure as the sun will rise, like there is an upward season and it is coming just not usually on our timeline. Oh, Sarah. So, so good. I'm thankful for your obedience and being patient with him and the struggle to be patient with him because 
you being honest about that today um, encourages me because that's something that I'm going through as well. And that means there's a lot of other people that are struggling with that in their own life today. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or Life Giver, you can find more information at www.coryweathers.com or life-giver.org.